I don't like to argue, so I say nothing and fume for days. How do I set boundaries without sounding like a jerk? I hate the idea that I might accidentally offend somebody, so sometimes I'd just rather say nothing at all. Welcome to the Language Alchemy Podcast, and thank you for joining me today. This is your host, Alejandra Siroca, a transformative communication teacher and coach devoted to helping you have more peace and harmony in all your relationships. This is a Q&A episode. In this episode, I'm going to answer the questions you sent me. And later on, I'll tell you how you can submit your questions for me to answer on the next Q&A episode. And without further ado, let's answer a couple of questions I received. The first question comes from Britt from San Francisco, California. Britt wrote, I was reading the Don Miguel Ruiz books and other books, and I found this idea of ridding your mind of the thoughts, judgments, or things you have unconsciously accepted from outside yourself. One book referenced the dust on the mirror, and the others the lies, or mitote. They both say you'll now be able to recognize your true self or your truth. I don't understand how you're supposed to know your true self or your truth. How do you do this? Well, Britt, thank you so much for your question. It's such a deep question. You've often heard me say that it's important to speak your truth. But how do you speak your truth if you don't know what that truth is to begin with? In your question, I hear your longer to uncover the truth and dust off from your being that which is not true about you. In this sense, I'd like to invite you to become a truth seeker or an alchemist. You know, alchemists were said to work with ordinary elements and refine them until these elements became gold. In previous episodes, I talked about the esoteric aspect of alchemy, the idea that we can refine that ordinary element of being human until we can tap into that extraordinary true nature of being human. See, Brit, alchemists are true seekers, and I see you as one. Now, when you were a child, Brit, you heard, learned, absorbed, and assimilated lots of words and expressions that became your ordinary thoughts and judgments about yourself and others. Some of these thoughts and judgments were about you. Maybe ideas like you're not enough, you are too sensitive, you're such a difficult child. These words are labels that you were given, labels that came outside yourself. And by the way, if you would like to understand the danger of labels in greater detail, listen to episode 7, which is all about labels. Now, to get back to your question, Britt, you heard these labels that were given to you again and again for years. And because during the first 11 to 13 years of your life, your brain was developing but had not fully developed your self-reflective capacity, you couldn't really tell whether these labels that you were hearing were accurate, appropriate, specific to a moment, specific to a behavior, or whether they generally described the truth of who you are. So your mind took these labels at face value, and these labels became part of your thoughts, 
and judgments about yourself and others. So much so that you're not even always aware of what you're thinking or the judgments that you're having about yourself or others. Because your mind, your mind is just taken over by these labels, these thoughts, these judgments. In time, you believed that these labels, these thoughts and judgments were your truth. But as you can see, they aren't an accurate reflection of you or others. Why? They were just opinions that others expressed. And this is why many authors and books like those of Don Miguel Ruiz and others write about dusting off the labels, the thoughts, the judgments that do not accurately reflect the truth of who you are, of who others are. If you'd like to find your truth so that you can speak your truth, you have to first become very familiar with the labels, the thoughts, the judgments that frequently show up in your internal dialogue and in your interaction with others. Once you're familiar with them, you can start exploring whether they're actually true or not. So what do you judge yourself about? What do you judge others about? What are the labels that you give to yourself? What are the labels you give to others? This is what you need to explore. I'll give you a quick example. When I was in second grade, my gym teacher told my mother I was bad at sports. That was the label I was given from the time I was seven. So my mother tried to encourage me to spend more time doing activities that were not sporty. During my childhood, I went to piano lessons, drawing lessons, learning languages, and other things. And for half of my life, I was convinced that that label was true, that I was bad at sports. I thought, this is who I am. I am just simply bad at sports. And this, this label, led me to shy away from sports or any activity that included a ball of any kind. Because I believed that this judgment was true, that I was bad at sports. And because I didn't devote any time learning how to play a sport or at least how to play with a ball, whenever we had some kind of ball game in school or at birthday parties growing up, I was the last one to be picked as a member of a team. And of course, this reinforced that judgment in my mind, that label that I was bad at sports. But when I was 24, I met someone who said to me, you're bad at sports? How do you know if you haven't spent much time playing sports? He then added, do you want to be bad at sports? And that's when I realized that I could choose to take that label on or I could choose to become very familiar with it and explore it. I said, no, I didn't want to be bad at sports. So I started to learn. I learned to play tennis and I became a sort of decent tennis player, but I can play now and I'm not afraid of balls. So you see, Brit, this label, this judgment that was given to me from the outside when I was seven years old was not true. It was simply someone's opinion of me at that time. If you want to find your truth, you need to spend some time exploring these labels, these thoughts, and these judgments that were given to you 
and that you are having about others because those two were given to you. Let me know how all this sits with you, Britt. And thank you again for asking a question that can benefit so many people. Now, before we go to the next question, do you see how asking a question is an act of generosity? It's generous because your question can help you and it can also help others. And I bet Britt's question helped a lot of you who are listening right now. So when you have a question about communication or something you're struggling to express, go to languagealchemy.com forward slash podcast question and enter your question there. Now let's listen to the next question. This is Angel with Angel's Boxing Therapy out of uh, Florida. My question to you, Alexandra, is when speaking, how do I stop my self-bias and my self-judgment before I ask a question or before I speak to somebody? I want to learn how to, as I'm learning to become a therapist in school, I want to become better, be able to deal with people that I, I have a lot of self-bias or judgmentals about them or how the way they are. How do I can convert that or deal with that better where I can speak to them? in a more helpful way when they are very cynic to me or they're attacking me and I don't want to be able to just close my answer to them or close the conversation and run off like I've been doing because I don't want to deal with them. But how can I speak to them and stay engaged in the conversation better and direct it to where I'm controlling the conversation and help them improve their thought patterns still? I want to be able to come back, but I want to be able to help them and guide the conversation where it's useful and more productive. Thank you. Thank you so much for your question, Angel. This is such an important question to ask ourselves. And I'm going to answer your question by breaking it down into two parts. So, first of all, I want to answer the part about stopping your self-bias and self-judgment before you speak, especially as you are becoming a therapist. Angel, I really appreciate your thinking about this while you're in school. I have worked with many therapists who notice their biases after years of practice. So I commend you for wanting to stop your biases before you go into practice. Now, let's acknowledge that having biases is an act of being human. It's just part of it. Biases are tendencies or habits that help our brain act quickly. And biases in themselves are not an issue. You could be biased towards eating apples and against tomatoes. And it may just happen that your brain knows that you have an allergic reaction when you eat tomatoes. So when giving a choice between an apple or a tomato, you pick an apple. However, when biases create disconnection, unnecessary suffering for ourselves and others, it's important to look at them and tease them apart. And once we do that, we can make a conscious choice. So first, I'd love for you to take note of the self-biases that show up when you speak with others. Write a list of the biases you're noticing the most. And maybe you do this after having expressed them. So after you have an interaction in which that bias showed up unannounced. And when you write it down, notice if you regret having said that out loud. 
If you do, take a moment and say these biases out loud, the biases that you wrote down, so that you could hear your own voice saying them. And once you hear yourself saying these biases out loud, notice the impact that these words have in your body. Is there tension, constriction, contraction, a sudden change of temperature? Really get to feel how these words impact your body. And then notice how these body sensations impact your feelings. As you do this work, notice if given a choice, like picking between an apple or a tomato, you'd actually pick this bias and you'd actually want to say this bias out loud. Because now that you know the impact of that bias, you know whether this bias would serve you and the other person you're talking to or whether this bias would contribute to pain, suffering, division, and disconnection. And my guess, Angel, is that your choice is going to be to connect. Just know that this process will take time and courage. Once you do this work, though, you'll be able to recognize these biases before you say them out loud, and you will be able to choose whether you want to say them or say something else. To give you an example, I used to be very harsh with myself when I mispronounced a word in English. I used to believe that English speakers would think I'm not intelligent, and I used to hold on to the idea that I had to be seen as intelligent in the United States in order to be valued. But then, after studying and really understanding how accent and intelligence have nothing to do with one another, and after learning that accent changes every 30 miles and that we all have an accent, when I mispronounce a word in English, I say to myself, accent changes every 30 miles. I grew up thousands of miles away from here. And having this reframe in my mind helps me move away from my negative self-bias. But first, I had to explore the impact of this bias within me. I had to see that I was very attached to being seen in a particular light before I could transform that bias. So Angel, I hope this helps you. Now, when you are hearing another person express a bias towards you and you are saying that they're being cynical or that they're attacking you, I actually want to acknowledge the awareness you're having that your MO is to want to leave, to want to run away, and that at this moment in your life, you want to have the capacity to stay and redirect the conversation. Wow, what a courageous act. And this is not only a courageous act, Angel, it's a mature act. And it's a mature aspiration. So thank you for your awareness and thank you for your mature aspiration. Now, if someone is making a cynical comment out loud to your face or attacking you with words, I want you to know that you're still going to survive. It will not kill you. What the other person is trying to do is that they're trying to make themselves bigger with their words, with their tone of voice, because what they're experiencing inside is fear. They are actually afraid. Maybe they're afraid about 
how they're going to be seen by you, how they're going to be regarded by you. So what they're doing is communicating to you in reaction to something they feel afraid of. So what can you do when someone is communicating fear? First, I like to encourage you to look at their face or hear their tone of voice. Because when you do, you will see or hear them as a younger version of themselves. Maybe you get to look at that person and see them as a three-year-old who is afraid. Or you hear their tone of voice and you hear them as a five-year-old who is afraid. Doing this usually elicits openness and compassion from you instead of shutting down or wanting to leave them. Once you do this, you can have the intention of creating a safe space in that moment. And you can create a safe space by doing different things. Let me give you some options. You can soften your tone of voice. You can make eye contact. You can soften your gaze. You can notice your feet on the ground and feel that you are there and you want to stay there. And if you want to use some words, you can say, wow, thank you for telling me that. I'd like to know more. Usually saying something like that creates space. So next time you are in a situation like this, let me know how it goes, Angel. Now, how about you? Are you having a particular communication challenge? Or is there something specific about communication you'd like to understand? Like Brit or Angel, you too can submit your communication questions for me to answer on the next Q&A podcast episode. Asking is such a beautiful act of generosity. It's very simple. Just go to languagealchemy.com forward slash podcast question. Now we've reached the end of this episode and I'd like to thank my client Jill for asking me the important questions that helped me create this podcast. Thank you, Britt and Angel, once again for sending your questions and thank you all for listening to this episode. You'll hear from me next week and as we say in Argentina... Ciao, ciao. Original music by Gary LaPoe. You can find more about Gary's music and all links in the show notes at languagealchemy.com. Mm-hmm.